When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Who picks against the better goaltender in a Stanley Cup final? When does that ever pan out? Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes away bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. It'll be Avalanche versus Lightning tomorrow night in Game 1 of the final. And it has so much going for it in the preemptive script, doesn't it? All that speed, all that skill, the excitement of the Avs finally making it to the main stage after having been tossed out unceremoniously in early rounds for so long, all the frustration that you see every spring from Nathan McKinnon and Gabe Landeskog and those guys all being undone. Well, the catch is the other side knows how to do this. And this is old hat for Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman, and of course, above all, Andre Vasilevsky, who will enter this final as the defining player on either side. That's not to suggest that he's a better overall player than McKinnon, although it's always awkward territory comparing goaltenders to skaters. But, you know, the goaltender is unquestionably the most important player because of his position. And in Vasilevsky's case, he doesn't have a counter on the Colorado side. If you think about it, you can look at Tampa's roster and say, well, you know, they've got Stamkos, they've got Nikita Kucherov, they've got Braden Point once he returns. And Colorado's got more than a counter for those guys in McKinnon and Landeskog and Miko Rantanen. And the same goes for the blue line. Tampa's got one of the world's two best defensemen in Victor Hedman, and Colorado's got the world's best defenseman in Kale McCarr. But then you take it down to the most important position, and it's Vasilevsky against question mark. No, really, that's where this stands. At this moment, Jared Bednar, the coach of the Avalanche, has yet to announce who his starting goaltender will be for game one. It could be Darcy Kemper, who isn't very good, 
or it could be Pavel Fransuz, who also isn't very good. And that's a chasm that does not get easily crossed by many teams throughout the history of the final. In fact, going off the top of my head here and trying to remember the last time a team with a clearly inferior goaltender still won the final, I have to go back to, well, pretty much every time Corey Crawford won it in Chicago. And apologies to fans of the Blackhawks who might be listening to this because they really hate when I say that. But this guy was just never anything special. And he ended up winning championships thanks to Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, and those guys in their prime. But think of all the other goaltenders over the last decade. Jonathan Quick, Matt Murray was outstanding for the Penguins. Remember how great Braden Holtby was in the Capitals' run? Jordan Bennington was out of his mind for the Blues. And then came Vasilevsky. And Vasilevsky had to beat a sizzling hot Carey Price last year to win his most recent championship. This is not a matchup of Vasilevsky versus Price, to say the least. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I'm rarely comfortable condensing any team sports matchup down to a single thing. But there are some sports that allow it. You know, in football, your quarterback matchup is going to have a really, really big influence on who wins the Super Bowl. Your starting pitching matchup is going to have an enormous influence on who would win a World Series. Well, this isn't any different. Vasilevsky hasn't had to be great in these playoffs. And I I feel like this is important to stress, if only to fully appreciate how good the Bolts have been defensively. Remember that they already faced the league's highest scoring team, which, by the way, was not Colorado. It was Florida. And they swept the Panthers, the Bolts did. And they did so in large part because of their team-wide defensive work. Sure, Vasilevsky was still better than Sergei Bobrovsky. I mean, almost everyone is in the playoffs, but I digress. But overall, what made that series happen for the Bolts was that they just shut down all the Panthers. Big guns, Jonathan Huberto, Alexander Barkov, everyone. But that, too, can be an edge for Tampa Bay in this series. Let's review through Colorado's run to the final that the Avalanche have had to occasionally just flat out outscore the other guys, not just in the Edmonton series, which at times was a circus, but before that as well. I honestly don't believe that's going to be an option here. I don't believe you're going to see a John Cooper coached team all of a sudden, falling out of everything they've done to win two cups in a row 
because the other guys feel like skating. You're not going to see that. They're going to stay true to who they are, the Bolts are. And, well, you know, the Avs are going to get their goals. They've got a ton of talent over there. But you're not going to see some 7-6 to six score in either direction that's going to have the guys on the Tampa Bay side questioning who they are, whether or not they should change up what they're doing. That's maybe the main advantage that you have in showing up as a back-to-back, or in Tampa's case, back-to-back-to-back, participant in the final. I remember this vividly in 2017 when the Penguins got in trouble against the Predators in the final. Remember that? Remember those first couple of games down there in Nashville? Nothing changed for the Penguins. Why? Because they, not just Mike Sullivan, not just the coaches, but the players themselves had the faith in what they had done the year before to know that if they just kept doing it, and did it a little bit better, they'd get the result. They stuck with it, and they obviously took out the Preds in six. That's going to be a big thing for the Bolts, but not anywhere near as big as that guy standing in the back. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Carmen, who asks, while Gary Bettman's an easy and rightful target in relation to the Jacob Truba hits, the culture is rotten well beyond the commissioner. When Mark Messier, who's considered hockey royalty, sits there on the TNT panel and uses we to refer to the Rangers while describing Seth Jarvis being out and how it'll help the Rangers while the great one, Wayne Gretzky, sits at the end of the table mumbling things of no consequence, that further embeds the idea that these are just hockey plays. Is there anyone within the hockey community who has the respect and can champion this issue? We know this isn't Mario's way of operating, but maybe Bobby or somebody needs to take the lead. That's Good stuff, Carmen. I almost got no response to that other than to read the question that you sent in. Uh, One of the most disturbing facets to this whole Truba saga is that no one, almost no one, I should say, spoke up against it. And most of those who did were in, you know, Pittsburgh, Raleigh, and Tampa. Wonder why. And that's unfortunate because it perpetuates another super annoying thing, which is that hockey's national media, and I use the term national in big quotes because when I say that, I'm referring to both the U.S. and Canada, tend to be very scared to go against the grain. And this has been true since I've been in this business. You don't see a lot of people upsetting the apple cart. The way most of the writers behave, they wait to see the first couple of opinions that poke their heads out of the sand, and then they go, oh yeah, yeah, that, whatever that guy said, yep, yep, that, that, we're, we're right on board with that. And that's the end of it. So when you have volume, the way you'll inevitably have coming out of a, a Toronto or a Montreal and, of course, a New York, it's a little bit intimidating. It can be anyway. 
to speak up because you know you're getting drowned out. You know that what you're writing or speaking is going to get the blowback that, you know, to make this personal here, that I've gotten over the last month. Not that I care in the slightest, but that's the way it happens. You get called a homer. You say, get over it. Your team lost. As if, you know, reporters are fans or as if, like, the DK Pittsburgh sports staff had some intramural hockey team that went and lost. And you'll also face, you know, some more serious accusations about not being an impartial journalist or whatever. I'll repeat this. I, me, I don't care. I hate filthy hockey. I hated filthy hockey when Matt Cook was performing it right here in Pittsburgh, and I wrote and spoke about exactly that at the time while I was going into the locker room and talking with Matt Cook. And if the reporters in New York, who, by the way, have this reputation of being, oh, they're so tough, New York, New York media, and they've behaved like puppy dogs on this matter. To my knowledge, from what I've seen, heard, and read, all of them, no exceptions, not one party that covers the Rangers saw anything at all amiss with what Truba was doing. I mean, my goodness, at least some of the people in Washington who were covering Tom Wilson at the height of his criminality would say, hey, man, this dude needs to chill a little bit. Not with Truba. They insisted on trying to build him up into some kind of brand, return to old-time hockey. No, to, to try to answer your question, there's nobody. There just isn't. There just isn't. Who's going to do it? Who's going to be that person? You mentioned you know, Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr's been an agent, and Bobby Orr isn't a, a kid anymore. He's not going to speak up about that. Mario's exactly what you said there. I mean, he's not going to do something like that. He had his garage leak moment, and I think that was the end of that. And no, to, to Gretzky, you'll never see Wayne rock the boat. Wayne's interest has always been self-serving. Wayne has always wanted to make sure that he was doing what was right for Wayne and for his image as if it needed burnishing the strange characteristic for someone of his achievements. Uh, all he cares about is that the league loves him and that everyone sees him as the greatest and most gifted player of all time, which, by the way, he wasn't. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.